Today on Calm Talk, we're going to be talking about Time Flies Volume 1, Pyramid Peril. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host. Branson Boykin. Initiating Calm Talk. Hey guys, welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them, brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm B, and today we'll be talking about the first volume of Time Flies, a time-traveling adventure comic for kids. I also want to give a special shout-out to John, who recommended this graphic novel on our Discord server. Thank you very much, John. I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, so... Like, like I just said, this came as a recommendation from one of our devoted geeks in the social media world, and so I uh, did a little hunting and found a copy of it and read it. Um, a lot of fun. We'll get into exactly why I think it's a lot of fun here in a few minutes, but just to give you kind of a, a summary of what this story is, Laurel Templeton, this all centers around a girl named Laurel Templeton. She's a simple, ordinary girl, which on the surface doesn't seem all that bad, but she is the daughter of an extraordinary family. Let me explain to you exactly how extraordinary her family is. First of all, her father is a Nobel Prize award-winning scientist who is known worldwide for his inventions. He makes stuff that just makes people's lives easier. I mean, people, you know, world leaders and everyone knows knows this guy because he is a next-level genius. Okay, so that's that's one, one thing. She's the daughter of this genius inventor. On top of that, her mom is this super brain surgeon who saves people's lives on a daily basis. She's always, you know, putting the right cut there or the right slash there, and boom, the person can instantly think better. I mean, it's crazy. And then on top of all that, her little brother is a child prodigy who has been published in multiple poetry articles. He's like a, a miniature poetic genius. So she's surrounded by all of these members of her family who have this... This moment of, of these moments of, of awesomeness. And she's just this average, normal, ordinary girl. But very quickly, her life, her own personal life becomes very extraordinary when she finds herself kidnapped by a group of cybernetic insects who travel through time to ancient Egypt in hoping that they she can help them stop this evil menace from controlling the entire uh, time stream. So here is this this average girl who has an extraordinary family, but she's feeling bad because her life isn't extraordinary in any way that she can see, and she gets zapped into the middle of this time-traveling adventure where she is helping these bugs, these cybernetic bugs, stop this evil from, from taking over. Uh, a couple of things about the story is that the fact that Laurel, she's this ordinary girl, and it bothers her. It bothers her that she's not as quote unquote interesting as her family members. There's a really cool scene where she comes home and everyone's talking about their day. Oh, yes, I invented some new computer. And mom's like, yeah, well, you know, I operated on an inoperable tumor, so I guess it wasn't that inoperable. And uh, the brother's like, yeah, I got interviewed for one of my what about poetry things? And they look at Laurel and say, so Laurel, how was your day? She's like, I brought home my report card. And 
her grades are average, B's and C's. Her best grade was an A in history, and that's all she had to brag about. But what struck me is the way this story is written, her family celebrates her. Her family takes the time to say, you got an A in history? Laurel, that's awesome. That, that's terrific. We're just so proud of you. And it upsets her. It upsets her because she feels like what she has to bring to the table, what she has to contribute, isn't good enough. And she kind of gets into an argument with her parents about it. They're like, she's like, would you please just stop calling attention to the fact that I only made one A? And they're like, but you did your best, right? Well, yeah. Well, that's awesome. If you did your absolute best, then this is work to be proud of. And she can't stand it that she is so unhappy with her progress, and yet her parents and her brother are so excited about her progress to the point that right before the cybernetic insects come and spirit her away, she actually lashes out at him. She makes fun of her brother and uh, kind of earns the disdain of her, of her parents. They send her to a room, have a really tender moment with the dad where he's like, look, I want you to know I love you no matter what. What you did was hurtful, and, and we're going to talk about it, but this doesn't change the fact that I still love you and that I'm still proud of you. And speaking as a parent, that part of the story really spoke to me because I see that in the lives of my own children. You know, they bring to me stuff that that to them isn't worth anything. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Look what you're able to do. That, that's amazing. And, uh, and I see that, that self-critical view and they think, how could anyone really be proud of me? But as a dad, I'm sitting here thinking, that's awesome. What you bring to me is so amazing, and I, and I want to be excited about it for you, and I want you to be excited with me. So as a parent, that scene really touched me. It was, it was a really heartwarming moment for me. I also enjoyed the fact that the, the cybernetic flies that take Laurel on this adventure, they each have individual special superpowers. All right, let me introduce you to the team of time flies, all right? We've got Mother Mass who can manipulate the mass of any object, changing its density. So, like, she could pick up a brick and make it super, super light to where she tosses it around like a bubble. Or she could take a feather and increase its mass so much that it would crack open a ceiling. I mean, she, she can uh, adjust these things. Then we also have a Wormhole, who, as the name suggests, he creates wormholes. He makes it possible for them to be able to teleport to different places. We've got Tack, <laughs> and Tack's one of my favorite characters from this story. He doesn't talk, or, or when he does talk, the, his word bubble's just a bunch of tildes, those little squiggly lines, so we're not really supposed to know what he's saying, but his superpower is really cool. He creates constructs out of light, uh, kind of like Green Lantern, but it's uh, not exactly. He, he can, they're like illusions, but they have a, a they're, they're tactile. Like if, if you go up and touch something, your hand actually hits a force field. Uh, so he's that. And also he, he fights with these baton things. So uh, he, he's definitely the most aggressive of the group. Uh, so, but he's one of my favorite characters. I, I enjoyed seeing what Tack could do. But we've got Slipstream. And as far as I can tell, Slipstream is kind of the leader of the group. Her ability is that she can alter how time flows. She can either speed herself up or people around her to where everyone around her seems really, really slow. Or if she's trying to hurry up and get to a specific point in time, she can speed time around them up to where 
they hurry up and get to that specific point. So she kind of controls the flow of time around her. And then we've got Nexus. Nexus is like the team robot. He's the AI. Uh, he doesn't say much. In fact, in most of this story, he's kind of on the fritz. Wormhole's having a, a time trying to repair him and get him to work. But uh, he's just kind of there as a, as a database. But what's really cool about this team is that the way they travel through time is Nexus, the team robot, takes all of their powers and combines them together. She uses He uses uh, Mother Mass's ability to manipulate mass, wormholes, wormholes, Slipstream's ability to affect time, and tax hard light constructs, and uses all of those things to take the team through time. And I thought that was really neat that that, you know, there's there's a room in the mission for solo spotlights. You know, you see moments where uh, Mother Mass is picking up these huge, massive boulders and moving them around. You see moments where Slipstream is affecting the flow of time so she can have conversations with Laurel. Or there's actually a really cool scene where an entire pyramid is falling and Mother Mass is too far away to catch the pyramid and push it up. So Slipstream slows down time to where the pyramid is falling at a snail's pace to give uh, Mother Mass time to get to her. So that was really cool. And then we have uh, Tack, who's running around fighting everybody uh, with, his, with his hard light construct. So Nexus is able to, to use, use their powers together to, to travel through time. But once they travel through time, they have these individual moments where they can shine. And I thought that was really neat. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like team stories like Justice League, X-Men, Avengers, that kind of thing. But I also what I like about those team stories is how they work together. Like that's one of the things I really loved about uh, X Men stories was it was you know yeah it was cool because Wolverine had his claws, Colossus could turn into uh, the the metal skin, uh, Nightcrawler one of my personal favorite X Men he could teleport, uh, you know that was cool. But what I really enjoyed about the stories was the way they worked together, and Time Flies does that. It it, it creates a situation where in order for the the Time Flies to to do what they need to do, they have to work together. And it's interesting because as a group, they work, work together just fine. It's when Laurel is introduced that they have a hiccup. So we've got this new team member in Laurel coming in, and that kind of throws the balance off. But it's neat that, it, that it, it's a team effort. Uh, another very interesting character is Darkon. Darkon's the villain of the story. He's this cybernetic spider. He has the powers of all the time flies. He can do them all. But he's jumping through time, kidnapping these people, and the time flies are following him. And he gets this idea to go to ancient Egypt. And he goes to ancient Egypt specifically to trap the time flies. So he travels to Egypt during the 10 plagues in Exodus specifically to the time when it's the plague of frogs. So you've got a bunch of cybernetic flies flying around ancient Egypt, and in this particular time that they find themselves, there's thousands of frogs hopping all over the place. So for the first, like, ten pages of the book, they're fighting frogs. And I like that because when I think about that, first of all, I think it's really neat that, you know, that you, you work the Bible into the, the history. But also the underlying assumption and having the time flies visit this time period is that the plagues of Egypt did in fact happen. By taking them to this moment, it's, it's putting forth the idea that the plagues of Egypt were not a, a fairy tale or some legend. 
they were actually an event in history that you could uh, read about, that you could visit. If we could get in a time machine right now, or if we could meet the time flies and they could take us, they could take it ba- take us back to a specific place in a specific time where a biblical event was happening. And, and, and for whatever reason, that just struck me. How cool is it to be able to read a story about time travel and it treats the events of the Bible like they're historical events and not just uh, legends or things that really happened, but we got to look and see how it really happened and, and what became the legend. You know, like sometimes you have those movies where, well, there's the legend of King Arthur, but let me tell you what really happened. Time Flies doesn't do that. Time Flies assumes, hey, the Bible says in Egypt there was a plague of frogs. So guess what? We travel back in time to Egypt. There's a plague of frogs. And that was just really cool for me to see the Bible's history treated as real history. As as a believer in Christ, I feel like it should be. I think the first five books of the Bible are history. And so to see a graphic novel treat the Bible's history as history was really encouraging for me. There was a special moment that Slipstream stands out for me. Like I said, Slipstream, from what I read, she seems like she's kind of the leader of the group. She can affect time. And there's this really cool moment. Laurel is freaking out. She's freaking out because she's been yanked out of her, what she thinks is her ordinary life. She's been shrunk down to the size of a bug. She's got this cybernetic armor on and she's being chased by an evil cybernetic spider and Her life is going crazy. The one friend she has right now is this Hebrew girl who doesn't even, she speaks Hebrew because she's in ancient Egypt uh, where the Hebrews were slaves. So they can't even communicate. So the one friend she has, they can't even talk to each other. She's freaking out. And Slipstream does something that's really, really cool. She takes time to explain to Laurel exactly what's happening and why they need her help. They're chasing this spider named Darkon through the time stream because Darkon's leader, uh, some mistress that we, we, we didn't really meet, she, we heard her voice in the story, but didn't meet her face to face. She's trying to control the time stream. And they need Laurel's help because, uh, or this specific example, because of her knowledge of history. But she basically says, look, looking back on the decision, we kind of just popped into your bedroom, grabbed you and left without explaining to you anything about what's going on, the kind of dangers you were going to face, we didn't give you an opportunity to actually make a choice. And that was wrong of us. So we're doing that now. You know, we we can use our powers to take you back to your own time, take you back to your bedroom, and you can go on living your life. It was wrong of us just to snatch you up and bring you here. It is true that we need you. We're not going to be able to fulfill our mission without you. But it was wrong of us to force you, to to not even take the time to ask you if you wanted to do this. And I thought that was awesome. It was a great moment for Slipstream as a leader because she reflects on her decisions. She recognizes where she made a bad call and she changes that decision. She actually takes the time to say, you know what? I'm going to make a different decision choice. And what's crazy is when she gives Laurel the chance to to make a decision, Laurel at first doesn't say she'll help. Laurel at first says, take me home. I don't want to do this. 
And the rest of the time flies to the like Slipstream. What did you do? She was our only hope. And now you're letting her walk away. And Slipstream is like, yes, we are. It isn't right for us to force her to do something that she doesn't want to choose. So I thought that was a really, really cool moment for Slipstream. It shows her integrity. It shows her level of faith in doing the right thing that, uh, that she gives Laurel that choice. It really drives home the point that to her, to Slipstream, the ends don't justify the means. Even if it's the right thing, if it's done the wrong way, it's still wrong. And so it actually gave me a lot of respect for Slipstream as a leader that she was able to make that decision to say, hey, you know what? I did this and it wasn't cool. We need to do something different. So that I thought was really, really neat. As far as the faith-based aspect of this story, as I said, it takes place in ancient Egypt during the plagues. So there is a connection with the Bible. Uh, Laurel befriends a Hebrew family, a, a Hebrew girl and her brother and, and father and, and mother. And uh, towards the end of the boot, towards the end of the book, where they go back to speak with her, uh, Laurel gets a little language upgrade from Nexus that allows her to speak Hebrew. So she's finally able to talk with her friend and her friend's like, yeah, you know, it's actually a happy day for us. My father says that we're about to be leaving soon, that, that God is going to send his angel to punish the Egyptians and, and so long as we put the blood of this lamb on the doorpost, we'll be protected. And then we're going to leave. We're going to finally leave Egypt. So it uses, it uses this biblical event as like a framework to create this, this story. You know, it, it's not exactly a specific, we're going to quote you this chapter, this verse, so much as it is just using biblical events as a backdrop to have a, a really, really fun story. And so I think that's neat. As I said before, I I enjoyed the fact that they treat biblical history as actual history. That it's not a, well, let's try to figure out what's palatable. You know, the Bible says this happened, but let's try to update that version. They don't do that. Say, the Bible said there was a plague of frogs. Okay, insert plague of frogs. Done. It, it, it's not even a question. Uh, so I, I I enjoy I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, that that is its connection to uh, to spirituality. Now, in future volumes, they may uh, do something do some things more specific. I don't know. I've only read the first volume, but it, it's it's obvious that, that the, the writers who created this have faith in Christ. They have a faith in the Bible, and and it comes out in their writing. As far as the artwork goes, the art is drawn by, and again, I'm terrible with names. I think it's Adi Darda Guadiabo. Uh, his artwork is very, very heavily influenced by manga art. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. You, you could definitely tell that when Zondervan published this book, they were trying to specifically reach an audience that enjoys that art style and that medium. The book is printed on a five by seven uh, book. It's black and white with a uh, screen tone instead of color. It, it really has this, I believe it's shonen manga. And uh, those of you who are, who are manga aficionados, y'all can correct me on this if I'm wrong. But the, the, the teen adventure stories of, you know, we're going on these grand adventures. It, it definitely felt like that a lot. Oh, so for, for 
parents who are looking for mangas for their kids to read that has a faith bent to it, I can highly recommend Time Flies because it has that feel. It has that Saturday morning cartoon feel about it, but but it's like the the anime cartoons, you know, like uh, Dragon Ball or or uh, Pokemon things like that. The, the the more cartoony anime is more so than the more serious ones, but but it definitely has that vibe. Uh, the artist's use of screen tones helps to communicate the structure and textures of the world created. That's one of the things that I noticed was the rocks look granity, the sand looks sandy, the the gleam of the metallic armor that the flies wear that there's a, there's a shiny aspect to it. Uh, whereas whereas some other artists use a lot of color, this artist used a lot of screen tone to really communicate some of those textures and add depth to the images so you don't have just a lot of flat black and white pages. The The pages are dynamic. The art comes to life. Um, as far as family-friendly, this book is 100% family-friendly. There is not a page, a word, a single thing in this entire book that I would want to hide away or keep from my boys. Uh, my four-year-old. This would be a bedtime story for my four-year-old. Uh, so if you're looking for something that is a-okay for the kids... It's great uh, for boys and girls. It, it's very adventurous, uh, so it's, it, it, it appeals to the boys, but also the lead character is a girl. So if you've got some, some uh, uh, girl readers who are into adventure stories, this is a great book because the lead character is a girl. Uh, in fact, the, the leader of the Time Flies is, is, a, is a female fly. So there's a lot of strong female characters uh, in this story that I think is really, really cool. Um, so I highly recommend it. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, once I'm done recording this episode, I'm going to offer it up to my boys to see if they want to read because I think it's a fun adventure. It's a great series. Um, Time Flies is written by Ben Avery. And as I said before, it's got art by Adi Darda Guadiamo. And if I'm mispronouncing your name, I am very sorry. It was published by Zondervan back in 2007. Um, the series has been out of print for a while. I picked up a, my copy through Thrift Books, I think. But I did some digging, and I found if you go to Ben Avery's website, he's actually still selling copies of the book. So if you go to store.benavery.com, and there's, a, there's actually a link up at the top of his page that says Time Flies. Click on that. There's a place where you can actually go and purchase copies of Time Flies. Otherwise, you can go to your local comic shop, see if they've got some place for, for back issues, or Amazon, places like that. So uh, definitely a fun read. Definitely a great uh, great story for your kids, especially your younger kids, too. Uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of difficult reading. Uh, the art was easy to follow. So uh, definitely 100% recommend this book to anyone who's interested. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow Geek Devotions on all of our social media. We're there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. Uh, if it's out there, we've got an account for it. Also, be sure to subscribe, to subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast catcher and leave reviews. We like to hear from you. We want to know what you think, especially if you've got recommendations. I've already got a couple more uh, recommendations in the discord as a matter of fact at the time of this recording i had yet another one pop up in the discord server so if you've got stuff that you want to see me take a look at let me know creators 
If you have faith-based, family-friendly content that you want me to do a review of to help get the word out about it, let me know. Send it my way, and I will do a review for you because I'm all about drawing attention to people who want to create entertaining content that's fun for the family and promotes the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay devoted. Peace and love.